Entertainment Marketing Confidential, where we Woo! talk about all things related to entertainment Ooh. and Hollywood. As you can tell by the spooky, spooky noises, we're still talking uh, about horror. Oh, yeah. I'm Daphne. Uh, that goofy motherfucker's Craig. And as always, we're joined by our producer, Eric. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, my horror. that's my horror sound. Exactly like that's a good one. Just like you. So, this is part two of our semi deepish, non shallow dive into horror. So, part one, we tried to. That rolled off the tongue, didn't it? (laughs) Idols. We tried to do some sort of justice uh, to the horror genre. Now, in part two, we promise we'll speed it up a bit and just talk a little bit more about sort of. That's it. Because as we. As we um, move into, I say, modern times, this is really where a lot of brands went, hell yeah, we want to be a part of this. So since we're about brands in Hollywood, we figured we really got to touch upon this. So, Craig, take us back. You left off 1989, the greatest year for high school graduates. Well, you mentioned modern times, so I figure I should at least touch on that 1936 film from Charles Chaplin (laughs) way back. And then I'm going to head back into the 90s now. So anyway, modern times. Superman. Uh, 1990s. So the first half of that decade in the horror film genre, we saw an overabundance of slasher films and sequels. Uh, they were turning them out. Nightmare on the Street franchise, Friday the 13th franchise, Halloween franchise, the Child's Play franchise, which oh. I failed to mention. The original came out in the late 80s. It's a great hmm. film by Tom Holland. Um, most of those sequels and slasher films did okay at the box office, but they were not reviewed very well by critics. Um, I'd say one of the standouts in any decade for me would be the silence of the lambs in 1991 it did incredibly well at the theater but it also won uh numerous academy awards oh for acting directing i believe screenwriting another favorite of ours like absolutely like yeah list it's just a fantastic film all around i mean anthony hopkins made that an iconic character i I think yeah nothing to sneeze at i mean no but anthony hopkins like he is a monster like he is like like they made a show because like they made the the fox show um because of him i I would assume yeah i mean it's it's a fascinating film scary film so psychological horror i think right Mm -hmm. um and along the uh those lines of awards uh misery also released in the early 90s where Kathy Bates received an Academy Award for Best Actress in that film. Hmm. Um, Didn't know she won the Oscar. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, she did. And that's the thing is, like, here we go. The genre's producing, you know, Oscar-caliber content. Why Mm -hmm. were brands, you know, I don't know. It was always, like, for me, as long as I've been doing what I do, it just was always a struggle. I don't know if it was just people not liking horror so they couldn't sell it in or what was going on but gosh these movies are great and here we go yet again you know high quality high caliber content so yeah yeah i mean um yeah i would i would guess probably part of it would be the violence um you know 
brands have traditionally not wanted to be seen with edgy content. I mean, that's changing, but I think back then it was still a little too risky for brands because they felt like maybe that content was going to reflect on the brand itself when it, when in fact the brand being used by people in a real world setting just makes sense, makes it more realistic. Um, but, um, jumped out in the nineties. Uh, there were some other titles. I, I remembered a seven 1995, obviously. Oh, seven. Yeah. Like, like absolutely one of my yeah. favorites. Candyman was another one. In fact, uh, they're doing. They've. Uh, I don't know how Lord that one is producing a remake of that one. I think it's coming out this year, or next year. Uh, it was a scary sci-fi horror film. I don't know if you guys saw called Event Horizon in '97. With oh, Sandy. I do. I do know of Event Horizon. Yeah, that Very was. Um, that was was Lawrence Fishburne in that. My thing. Uh, he may have been. I can't remember everyone in that cast. Uh, you okay. may be right there. Um, Tremors was a fun throwback to the big yeah. monster, right? almost comedy monster, you know, horror <laughs> films with uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Some great laughs in that one. And uh, Scream in 1996 was another standout. Um, but I, I found that the two problems that pushed horror back during the 90s were there was uh, just a lot of burnout from saturation of slasher films from the 80s. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you legit just go and scream and then move on to your next statement? No, no, I'm going to come back to scream, but, but, I, but wait a minute here. Hold on. No, let me, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Oh, cool. There was two problems. There was two problems. And I'll say scream, scream changed the game. But before that, it was the carryover from the eighties. There were so many slasher films and the audiences that ate those movies up in the eighties had grown up. They got boring. They were a joke. Like they wanted something that. different. Like, come mm-hmm. on. So there you go. You can talk about Scream because Scream changed the game for horror films in the 90s. It brought mm-hmm. it back. You know, the fact that it sort of acknowledged. And the best is, it's all Wes Craven. Yep. He's mm-hmm. a, oh my God, I don't know, not a founder. You know, he drove the genre, partially responsible for saturating the genre, and then, whoa, let's course correct this. Bam, scream. I mean, when you fucking get Drew Barrymore in your opener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the fact they kind of did a nod to all the ridiculousness of horror and the cliches, et cetera. It was great. And we all know. Yeah. Courtney Cox met her husband there. Her that ex-husband. Her now ex-husband. They yeah. divorced on five. Scream. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s but it's like, like scream was yeah. when you look at the 90s two movies for me just fucking changed it we talked about scream and for me blair witch changed mm. and found footage by the way blair witch was dumb as shit i saw that in the theater and the scariest thing is with a wheelchair in front of me that rolled in and pinned me in the theater it was dumb it wasn't scary there's no suspense i'm like what is wrong with people but that last shot with the person in the corner i was like blah but the marketing was fucking absolutely brilliant. And the movie, you know, should always be should always be acknowledged and appreciated because it was such a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after Scream, you had some you had some other notable films in the 90s, but uh, CGI was also starting to blow up. And so you saw that. You saw that coming out more in those types of films like Blade in 98. There's the uh, remake of The Invisible Man in the 90s, right? 
But you know what's, uh, Hol- what's Hollow Man came out in two thousand. Hollow Man, okay, that's what I'm thinking. Hollow Man, yeah. I that one. Um, Sleepy Hollow was ninety nine. Sleepy Hollow by the same screenwriter who did Seven, and then uh, going back to Blade and some other ones. It's interesting how other genres started taking cues from the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say, a lot of action films started building in that suspense and the jump scares mm. and whatever else. And I think that also led to horror being a little less interesting. And, 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 and we could say like in the nineties, I think horror, like, like I think directors that were influenced by horror, like from the 20th century start just incorporating into other films. For instance, Tim Burton, he, he's not, he's not known for doing horror films. Like Nightmare Before Christmas isn't really a horror film, but the horror aesthetic is now melting into all these other projects. Yeah. And I think maybe that also yeah. led, like that led to the fatigue because it wasn't just yeah. horror. It was kind of everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, I just want to mention 1999 and going back to that. What was that? 1929 Yushin thing with eyeballs. Uh, on, on Shin. Shin. I want to just flag audition. It's a Japanese thriller from 1999. Um, some nice dude, his friend sets up auditions for like a movie. So this nice guy can meet women. Oh boy. This teammates is just I it's awful. And there's one scene where she has like a needle, like the eyes. Bleh, bleh. Uh, so good. It's so good. But kind of going back to the theme that keeps coming up, you know, you had the US, but then Japan, Germany, Spain, like it, it's truly not just a US you know, genre. It's global. Oh no. No, I mean, I yeah, one of the early pioneers was a French filmmaker that we um, mentioned last episode. Yeah. You know, like it's 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 something now that's it's global. It's established. It's just again another reason why. At this point, yeah, yeah. it's been established a hundred years ago. So yeah, yeah, great. I, and you mentioned the Japanese film. Uh, another another one in nineteen ninety eight was Ring, which we know they did in oh, America. Also, also yeah. nineteen also nineteen eighty eight Akira. Um, uh, oh, yeah. or anime, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to Godzilla, like, uh, you know, yeah, 54. Yeah. Godzilla, you know, yeah, we're in there. And it's um, also in the, uh, I should mention in the nineties, uh, Peter Jackson, he did a couple films in the, uh, well, one in the late eighties, I believe called bad taste, which was a sci-fi horror film, oh. excessive gore, um, and then his second film, Dead Alive in the U.S., known as Brain Dead in the rest of the world. Uh, that, those are the two films that got him noticed. And from then on, he went to start making more mainstream stuff. But if you ever see the uncut version of Dead Alive, it's considered by a lot of people to be the goriest movie of all time. It's pretty. Whoa. It's over the top. But the my point was that horror films began to parody themselves a, a bit in the 90s because it had been so saturated the previous decade. So Scream is another example of that sort of parroting yeah, like, the, uh, the genre. But as you kind of kind of hop ahead going into the 2000s, so Scream made us fall in love again. Blair Witch kind of changed it up. And as you go into the 2000s, mm-hmm. <laughs> You have the scary movie franchises. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I Fuck all this. But they <laughs> were so funny and they were killing such great actors. But the one thing when we get to 2000, it really just has to be said, emphasized, repeated. This is when 
horror just blew up as a genre. It was no longer Halloween. And when we start looking, especially, you know, the past three, five years, these movies come out all year long. It's one of the few places where they're making original content and they just keep getting bigger and better. And it's just, it, it's just that explosion. And I think that really sort of came to life in the two thousands. And that's when I really started getting fucking annoyed with people not wanting to do shit with horror. <laughs> because well, let's, uh, let's start talking about the 2000s, but let's I want to, there's it. one more title we should mention from 1999, which was The Sixth Sense. Oh, oh sure. And I yeah. These movies, by the way, man, they got shitty as hell with that water one and some other crap, but. The trees are killing people? Oh, no. That's like, happening. But so that was, yeah, that, that film, again, was another landmark film yeah. in the genre. So, yeah. and that's anyway. What, Moving on to 2000s, Daphne, let's go. No, but thanks for bringing that up because there's just so many. I, just, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's so interesting that you said that that Scream was a parody on um, was it was a parody on horror when the uh, scary movie franchise was a parody on Scream the first one. So it was like a parody on parody. Mm-hmm. This is some postmodernist fucking <laughs> and stuff oh, and, right now. Yeah. I, but I like where they both went. Like scary movies were funny. Oh yeah, for sure. And they were also still a little bit scary. I don't know. Like they were, they were fun. Like, and that's the thing. Every, the one thing all these have in common, and maybe I'm just fucked up and just go back to the movies I saw in the theater. Yeah, I'm definitely fucked up. They're fun. <laughs> like shadows moving, like for fun. The next time I see you guys, we're going to go see a horror movie together because my <laughs> friend Dan and I have been seeing these movies for damn near 20 years and i'm the kind of person who's i'm screaming i'm throwing stuff at the screen i scare the audience i'm one of the paranormal activities i'm walking into the theater and i think it was the second or third one in the 80s and the cabinets blew open as i walked in i screamed and i got startled i rolled i fell and rolled down the ramp oh no everybody in the theater freaked out because they thought that was the movie and you hear one asshole laughing and dad goes that's fucking like I get like I can tell like because it scared me, and it's to me it's like a roller coaster. It's so much fun, and that's why I think when we get to ever the psychology of this again, it's okay. Anyway. Speaking of, of of scary like theater moments in M Night Shyamalan, uh, uh, we went to me and me and my fiance went to see um, Dev Devil. It was the one with like they're in an elevator. Yeah, devil. Yeah. So so like it was this part where like the old lady is slowly starting to rise back up with a broken neck and black eyes. And as soon as that happened, an old lady tapped my shoulder and was like, excuse me. I screamed in her face. I was so terrified. She picked the worst moment to do that. It was terrifying. There was a movie called Arachnophobia. Oh, yeah, that's great. Spiders. 1990. Yeah, I'm in the theater. Packed. And I'm kind of slunk down in my seat and I had this little black purse and it was sitting on my lap. This spider jumps out of a tube and lands on a guy's chest. So, of course, when I grabbed my chest, I felt something. I stood up and just went Wah! and flung my purse. I don't know how many rows. Like, I just like, but it's, it's to actually do that. In <laughs> oh my god yeah like i'm I, fun theaters i uh, remember seeing that movie at the theater and everyone in the theater jumped at the same time throughout the movie yeah, it was great. it's yeah. fun it's something you do together like this is such a great genre so you know when i look at the 2000s you know scary movie final destinations those were messed up mm. the thing is yeah. when you go back to those basic fears people are afraid to fly and that yeah. first when you know so I, I thought they did a good job of just kind of 
I don't know. You can't well, escape it. When it's your time, it's your time. Yeah. yeah. I'd say another note about Final Destination. It was, uh, it kind of revived that teen-centered horror film, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, I should also note the others in 2001. That was a, oh. that went back to the gothic. It was a gothic yeah. supernatural. Such a good one. And that. Horror films. Started using great. suspense instead of the gore that we had been so used to. So clever. And then Sentient Entertainment has the rights I was reading to remake it. And I can't wait to see what it Like that's. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, one of your favorite genres, the zombie film, 28 Days Later, I'd say was a pretty oh. important film. Yeah. Introduced mm. us to the uh, fast zombie, which was oh my God, like, <laughs> copied Jesus. countless times after that film came out. Same yeah. one in that same time period, like you had Resident Evil. Mm hmm. Yeah. So Resident Evil. Zombie genre. Uh, uh, Rob Zombie made his directorial debut with House of a Thousand Corpses in yeah, 2003. Shit all over Halloween a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he took yeah. A- uh, that was so bad. <laughs> I didn't see the remake. Don't. It's um, just like a reinterpretation. Like, I mean, it's, I, I felt it was not original, didn't really offer anything. And his mazes are so fucking amazing at Universal. I just thought that wasn't his best move. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple of foreign films I wanted to note in this this time period that were standouts. Uh, one was uh, The Devil's Backbone in 2001 by yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, he had done Mimic in 97, English language film, which is good. Um, but I know there was a lot of studio interference with that one. This one, though, Spanish language gothic horror film. It's like a ghost story. It's really, really good. And then Brotherhood of the Wolf in the same year was a French film. It became the second highest grossing French language film in the U.S. in the last two decades. So it made two million? <laughs> no, no, it made more than that. It made more than that. But it was kind of a mashup of horror, martial arts, and historical drama. Sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it was a really interesting film. Um, and <laughs> one of the actors in it, Mark Dacascos, was in uh, John Wick 3. He's been a, he's done like Iron Chef. He's been an actor forever, and he was a, a international martial arts champion. He was in the movie... Such a badass in that movie, but uh, and Vincent, uh, oh geez, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Vincent Cassell, a French actor, spent a ton of stuff. Yeah, he was in it. Monica Bellucci was in it. Really good cast, but what a fascinating movie! So those two stood out to me as being, uh, I'd say, landmark films in the genre in that period on the international stage. The two thousand, so Saw. Oh sure. Sure, amazing. And then I have to talk about the descent. Um, that was, was great. Yeah. It. Oh, hold on, Mr. Romans. Which version did you see? The watered down American bullshit version? <laughs> the uncut version. Oh, the original is fucked up that ending. Like yeah. fucked up. Like everyone's worst nightmare. Like they're splunking. Yeah. If you got critters, you got the dark, you got claustrophobia. Yeah, that scene at the end when when uh, that person was standing in the corner and the wheelchair kind of pinned me in the theater. Was, no, not that scene. That, that, that's a. Oh, I'm getting that confused. <laughs> yes, yes. I saw it, Home Entertainment, with the original ending, but when they made the sequel, the sequel kind of seemed like it went off the U.S. ending with the hmm. American audiences can't handle this ending because that ending when they pull back and you see how far deep she is in those caves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good yeah so good. and i was just watching it this morning um oh. 
kind of got to hop on over to a couple personal favorites, probably because I worked on them. Um, Cloverfield. Yes. Um, with the found footage. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was working on that, um, there was no script. The person at the studio called me and she just told me the story. She got as far as um, like one sentence in. I'm like, I'm in. I took like it's Campari, Lacoste, a Panasonic camera that they film on. Um, I, you know, it, I was like, I'm in. And mm-hmm. a little bit later, at one point, so the script didn't really exist yet. And they arranged for me to meet with Matt Reeves um, so he could tell me the story of Cloverfield. So for me to sit in his office for a good hour and a half as the director told me the story of Cloverfield was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite professional like memories. I'm like, this was, and then his storytelling was amazing. And I'm in because you think it's JJ Abrams, it's Matt Reeves. They took their cues from, you know, our favorite Spielberg and Jaws. Um, mm-hmm. JJ walked into the meeting. Um, it's, it was such a good story. It was that same, you never see the monster. So all of our clients are in everybody. Mm -hmm. And then for me to tell them, you know, like, you know, when they're down, we've talked about this, I think on the podcast, like when they're in the subway, you're going to see ads. Um, When one of the main characters goes into an electronic store to get a phone and a battery, of course there's going to be phones. Nokia is all over it. And this was one movie where brands got it. And I think a lot of it was probably me selling it in because if you could really, it's, it's that Jaws, it's the suspense, it's a critter, but it's not, you know, a, a slasher. Like it was, I thought that was, and then the stars that came out of that with Lizzie Kaplan and the people, mm. the whole cast has done such great things. So that's one that's near and dear to my heart. And I have the one sheet in my office. Like I love that I worked on that. And then another one I worked on that I thought was brilliant, that kind of goes back to a little bit what we saw with like maybe Scream or some of these other ones, Zombieland. Oh yeah. Okay. Film that I mean, as we know, because Double Tap just came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that here's the genre? It's been done a billion times, but here's kind of your zombie survival guide. Here's the difference in zombies. So clever, so amazing. Loved it. Thought it was yeah. So cool. And that and, and this might be a 2010 movie, but it's kind of similar. Uh, a Cabin in the Woods with uh, yeah. Joss Whedon, like just mm-hmm. another just mm-hmm. taking the horror and just turning it on its head and satirizing it, and just but also paying homage to it. Like it's yeah. yeah. And, and as we know from others, you know, it was 2012 TV. actually. 2012. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at everything we're talking about. This spilled over into television. So I was just I was just about to say yeah, like just some obscure film. This is literally all the time in the theater on TV for the love of God. Why are we not leaning into this? So that's why you look at Cloverfield zombie land. Some of these, and honestly, I think I'm going to take a tiny bit of credit for some of this because I understood it. And then I could talk to brands about it because it's, a, it's a genre I loved. Um, and at this point, movies are all dead to me until 2013. What is that? Hang loose guy. He's given the Shaka. What's that called? <laughs> the Shaka. Yeah, the Shaka. Yeah, yeah. I worked at the Surf Channel, so I know Shaka. <laughs> you think I know that for my North Shore days? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but before you get into like a uh, uh, move from 2013, 2010s, we start seeing a blow up of horror in television shows: yeah. Black Mirror, Walking Dead, American yeah. Horror, Penny Dreadful, Haunting at Hill House. Like mm-hmm. horror is just, and maybe it's because yeah. of the streaming services, but horror is just reaching us. Uh, through television now yeah joy yeah. um 
a couple I I my I no, noted as well. 2013. No, no, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm still in the early 2000s. I'm in the early 2000s. I wanted to touch. I wanted to talk about Hellboy for a second. Oh, sure. Because not only was it a great film, in my estimation, Guillermo del Toro did that one as well. But there was yep. product placement in that one, and some really good product placements. You know, hand, like hands on, tail on with Hellboy. I mean, they they brought some of the modern products. I mean, it was a present day story. So um, I got to see an early screening of that and uh, with people in our industry. So yeah, there was entertainment marketing definitely involved in, in that film. It was a mainstream horror film and based on the comics. And so that was just a good example of some brands getting it and jumping into something like that in that genre. Yeah. Um, I should also say Shaun of the Dead, 2004. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. And then you, you mentioned it? Paranormal Activity, which was 2007, Daphne. So that's. Do you think the first one, as we we're kind of joking, the budget was at 15,000? And I can't even tell you how many hundreds of millions that movie made. But mm-hmm. what I love, so my friend Dan and I, so you have the first one. There ended up being, what, five? Something now, like that, yeah. I don't know. It's a camera in a house telling the story. But holy shit. So you have the first one, then you kind of go to the 80s, and then you're like in some apartment. <laughs> There's a scene where very easily you saw half the audience who's been on this ride. Fuck it. We're in since one. We're all in through five. And then the people who just kind of maybe stumbled in to sober up. There's a scene where the characters in the last. Is this a spoiler? Should we warn people? No. It's a spoiler. Let me nest it or whatever. I'm going to give away just a fun um, little scene from a paranormal activity that I don't remember the number of that I think is five. Okay. I'm going to come back. So tell me when you're done. But I love is they're on the one set. They go in a door. They end up on the set of like the second one and then back out. So how this whole world and how they almost simultaneously existed to some degree was so fucking brilliant i mean literally dan and i are like whoa you know me my big ass mouth um i'm, I'm kind of like that now because i don't understand that <laughs> what I liked about these it's not like oh uh, let's just do the same movie here's one where they really respected the franchise i feel and each mm-hmm. one was a little bit different in the setting a little bit different in the time period it's not like let's just do the same house, you know. Like it's, I love, and I think they learned from the first one because it was like that one little house, the same little characters, and then how they kind of fleshed out that universe. So that, mm-hmm. okay. big fan of that. Yeah, I should note uh, that during the early two thousands, remakes were very popular. Uh, you had a ton of films that we've already talked about get remade. Like Dawn of the Dead, 2001 Maniacs was a remake of 2000 Maniacs. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, 13 Go. With Brendan Fraser. Which when, one? When did they remake The Mummy with Brendan Fraser? 1999. Okay. Hmm. Um, Hills Have Eyes, Friday the 13th, Children hmm. of the Corn, Prom Night, Black Christmas, The Omen, Carrie, The yeah. Wicker Man, Day of the Dead, The Fog, The yeah. Hitcher. Last House on the Left and What yeah. a Stranger Calls. Those are just some of the remakes that were done in the first 10 years. Of cell phone and What a Stranger Calls. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't mention some of those when they originally came out. The Hitcher in the late 80s was so good. Rutger Hauer, amazing. You know, and there's, you know, again, so many great podcasts on this genre talking about mm-hmm. different, like it's, it's, we're really, really not 
doing it justice. I, I, no. It's just so, Not at all. so much. And on that note, I'm sorry. We just got to get to 2013. 2010s, we're here. Talk about 2013. Um, everything we've talked about really came together with the conjuring mm, mm-hmm. the first one things like um ugh, spooky supernatural clapping fucked up dolls it was so creepy and this one sort of exorcism type scene they don't do stupid effects they just put lily taylor you know under a blanket and you have to use your imagination and in mm-hmm. these films where i have to connect the dots in my head it's way worse so the, the demon hiding in the cupboard. Anytime you'd hear it go, it'd scare me. Another scene, it oh, jumped off like clapping. a cat. Oh, well, yeah, it's scary. Playing game. <laughs> but, I mean, Craig, I, I, I'm afraid of positive reinforcement, so yeah, clapping is just terrible. It should be. Applause. <laughs> I can't sleep when there's applause. <laughs> Annabelle, that doll, there's no words. That fucking doll. That Annabelle, that, yeah. Back to, you know, that stupid trilogy of terror dolls are the worst the clown and poltergeist this fucked up doll in the scene where the demon is brushing annabelle's hair and annabelle looks at the camera i looked at dan and i just started crying <laughs> oh no dolls are dolls are always scary what about talking tina from twilight zone you remember that episode oh, oh crap that was we, scary we do a whole podcast about fucked up dolls and horror or <laughs> You know, going into it and etc. Like it's just sure. Annabelle's awful. And what I loved about this is the Warrens had this room of all their little trinkets from the possessions and shit they dealt with. And I saw that and I'm like, there are endless movies here. And that's what they've been doing. What other fucked up shit in their closet's gonna make another movie? And you know, you had Conjuring movies, Conjuring 2. You had Annabelle. She had her own movie. She had a sequel. You know, there's been more Conjurings. And then, ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna cry. I, the trailer for The Nun. And I remember the first time we saw The Nun painting in one of the other movies. I'm like, oh, let that be a movie. Because that painting, look at that painting's creepy as shit. Yeah. The Nun. And I know I just jumped to 2018 and skipped no, over. We're, we're talking about the whole 2010s. So don't worry. It's, movie the trailer i screamed every time i saw it and the scene that i scream at in the trailer i forgot about and screamed in the movie and then there's this spoiler buried alive who the fuck wants to be buried alive and there's this whole cemetery and you hear the bells over the graves ringing this just fucking freaked me out on every level scared the shit out of me loved it so there was that movie with Ryan Reynolds too, where it all takes place in his coffin, where he's buried alive in. Ew. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was like it was from like the 2010s. I forget what it was called, but yeah, Ryan Reynolds. It's all just him in a coffin. The entire movie like, uh, was it Van Wilder three or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know the Conjuring. You know, you know a smart movie, and each one has been great, and they just really opened up how I feel like like another universe. These Conjuring movies can go forever because legitimately. You know, even Amityville Horror is tied to the Warren's work, though not mm. So, you know, like, they're, them being real people, that wasn't, pretend I knew grammar. Knew grammar. <laughs> we knew you know grammar, don't worry. I think I do. Um, the fact they're real, and some of this is based, you know, when you have that element of reality, is just so terrifying. 
Um, I'd like to touch on a few other things from the 2010s, if I may. Um, Remakes continue to be popular during this time as well. You saw remakes for A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Crazies, which we didn't mention before was, uh, I think, 1973 film by George Romero. I saw both the original and the remake recently. Uh, I Spit on Your Grave in 2010. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark Fright Night was remade in 2011. It wasn't bad. They really kind of skimmed over the uh, nightclub scene, which was disappointing, but... That's because they couldn't replicate that. I mean, the original was just... You you can't. Yeah. Chris Chris Sarandon, I mean, he was amazing. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They did a Maniac Poltergeist remake in Suspiria in 2018. Carrie had a second remake released in Mm. 2013. Uh, Halloween in 2018 was the 11th installment in the franchise. <laughs> that's the one that technically, that's the one where Jamie Lee Curtis came back, right? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. In the past couple of years. Uh, but that one, what I liked is it sort of didn't take into account two through 10. Like it sort of just mm-hmm. picked up after the first one. And yeah. having her there was great. Like that was, I mean, come on, you know. Yeah. To, well, and to touch also, before I forget to touch on what Eric said about the TV, um, yeah, horror continued to gain prominence in the TV. Uh, you had series like The Walking Dead, American Horror Story, mm-hmm. The Strain, uh, Netflix's Stranger Things, The Haunting of Hill House, which you mentioned. Yep. Um, the film Psycho spawned Bates Motel, and you yeah. said you mentioned yeah. Hannibal, which came from Silence of the Lambs. And, so and and um and Black Mirror, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a, a spiritual uh, uh, succession to uh, I Love Lucy, right? Yeah, exactly. I Love Lucy. <laughs> there was another show well, I saw. Uh, on, there we go. Fuck me. There was a show I saw on Netflix too called The Returns, and it was a foreign show. It was fantastic. I believe they did an American version of it, but man. It was, I think it was only two seasons, but it was really, really interesting. Um, and then what else did I, Oh, a uh, couple, we talked about found footage, um, found footage, uh, horror films, a couple notable, uh, films in that subgenre were the last exorcism in 2010 hmm. VHS in 2012 unfriended the taking oh, yeah. of Deborah Logan and the visit. Um, there's yeah. brands and unfriended. There's like exactly. of products. Yeah. And then Slender Man was a supernatural oh, horror yeah. film based on the character that uh, was popular on YouTube, uh, became a big success on YouTube with found footage style uh, videos, which. And that's not, the, and that's, and um, there have been other, like, uh, I think that it was called like Smiley or something, but there, you know, we're starting to see a new genre of horror, which is internet horror, which is yeah. computer horror. Like it's, it, yeah still transforming um we gotta mention at least human centipede like that was like <laughs> i refuse to watch it because i just can't but i know I how big it was I haven't, <laughs> but it's a big in the horror it was like that big like how can we take the most what the fuck concept and make a movie out of it yeah I mean, yeah it will say killer green to me <laughs> Wait, Attack of the Giant Tomatoes? What's it called? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Thank you. <laughs> Meets fried green tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. That would be a route. The Killer Tomatoes would win, probably. But it's fun yeah. when they take something scary and make it super ridiculous. You know? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, it, there's so many horror movies. I'm thinking of tons right now that we didn't even mention. From I was thinking about Waxworks from the 80s. Yeah. Me to the Marquis de Sade. 
What about like all those those movies about killer bees, like the swarm? <laughs> and then you had the giant spider. I mean, we, the Empire of the Ants. I mean, the, swarm. You know, you know we, we, we mentioned this movie in the in-between, but um, probably one of the most iconic uh, films in general uh, of the 2000s because of uh, what's going on in just America today, Get Out. Like, yeah, yeah. that's... We'll get into that. Like, uh, yeah. like it's, you know, going with the Oscar theme. Like, it's just stop already. I mean... Screenplays okay. are being nominated for Oscars. Okay. I meant stop collectively. Stop, uh, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> that was from the uh, 90s, right? That one? I just want to point out, because we keep talking about kind of going back to that brand idea. So I just made a quick list of the movies I had to see for work. Um, here we go. Let's just look at... 2017. I saw Jigsaw, Happy Death Day, Till Death Do Us Part, Get Out, Resident Evil, and Sleepers. And brands, Chevy, Apple, Mercedes, Tylenol, more Mercedes, Canon, uh, Lincoln, Microsoft, Rolls, BMW Moto, Bud Light. Um, like, here we go. A ton of movies, and now brands are getting with it. 2018. Possession of Hannah Grace. Boy, anything possessed I loved. Um mm-hmm. Halloween, Hellfest. Uh, I thought it said horse with clock in the walls, but it's house. <laughs> Actually, they, they did release that one too. Uh, a, simple favor, a simple favor, The Nun, Unfriended, Truth or Dare, Unsane, The Strangers, Insidious, and it's Jeep, Dodge, Ford, like cars, you know, Apple's all in, Tinder, uh, Kia, Converse, Tide, um, period films, of course. Um, more cars, Chevy Ford and the Gensport backpacks, Mattel, Ovaltine, um, Aviation Gin, Apple BMW, Subaru, and a lot of Sony because Sony was producing a lot of these films for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just kind of hop in on 2019. Knives Out, Doctor Sleep, Zombieland Double Tap, Parasite, It Chapter 2, 47 Meters Down Uncaged, Crawl, Annabelle Comes Home, The Dead Don't Die. Something called M.A. that I don't remember the name of. Oh, Ma. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's good. The Intruder, Curse of La Lorda, Pet Cemetery, Glass, Escape Room, and Midsommar. And it's, listen to this. It's Ducati, Apple, Audi, you know, Vizio, Volvo, Mercedes, Plymouth. Again, Apple, Mercedes, U-Haul, Volvo, Smart, Smart Car, sorry, RCA, Snapple, RCA, Sony, Jeep, Yamaha, Jeep, Toyota, something I can't read, Chevy, Ford, Apple, Mini, B&O, Mercedes, Asics, Samsung, Ziploc, Doers, Cadillac, Toyota, Jack Daniels, Netflix, Biscoff, BMW. What was the the middle one? Biscoff? (laughs) <laughs> and 2020 sort of was cut short but invisible man fantasy island and underwater moon pies cheetos casio apple land rover lyft nike and apple and since i'm talking about fantasy island speaking of just something i could watch a billion times in any 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 format fantasy island the idea of going somewhere to live out your fantasy in what you would assume is a safe place is so appealing. I want a do over. What happens if I chose that person? What happens if I play those lotto numbers? You know, whatever unresolved bullshit, or maybe I want to be a Marine, you know, whatever your fancy is, go do it. It's amazing. And I love the fact they put a horror spin. And then I just have to give a shout out to Austin Stoll, who's a friend of ours and he's great in the movie and we love him. 
Do you think if they, you think they could do other films in a series like that, but choose different landforms, like like Fantasy Prairie or no, Fantasy Isthmus? No, Fantasy or, Everest won't be the same. But Fantasy yeah. Island, you could just keep going back again and again and again and again and again, and people have enough bullshit to sort out through. They could populate that forever. I and, think they should explore other landforms, though. I think that would be interesting. Fantasy Elevator. <laughs> no, no, like fantasy plane, like, you oh, know, fantasy peninsula, fantasy mm-hmm. ponds. Yeah, everyone's I, on like floaty toys. And, yeah, that's a no. Um, and as I <laughs> rambled off an endless list of movies and an endless list of brands, it's very different with brands engaging in horror now. And Volvo to me is the ultimate winner. Like Volvo shows up in a lot of these movies, and it's mm-hmm. always like associated with the family. It shows up the way it should be. I think they've just made such a great choice here. And again, Apple, Jeep, Mercedes, Casio. Um, Yeah. I mean, just really, it's nice to see brands getting it, you know, and I think they understand the audience is there. You have the eyeballs. It's all year. It's Mm -hmm. original stories, you know, more original than some of the other shit we're seeing. And you keep touching upon looking at the Oscars. I mean, get out parasite, you know, Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, us was great. Scary. It's yeah. you know, I, I mean, there's no doubt. Like it's a valid genre, and people should be doing. Oh well. yeah, I, I'd like to point out one one thing along those lines too, Daphne. I know you're talking about 2019 and 2020, but 2017 for horror films, landmark year. There was 32 horror films released that year. They Amazing. grossed 984 million dollars, oh, which okay. was up from 480 million in 2016 from only 28 films. Damn. So you're looking at the grosses of just films in this genre. It's hard to ignore. It's it makes sense that brands are getting more involved, but horror has been successful since its inception. And so, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about this on a different episode. But you know that why it works, um, why brands should be doing more in the science behind. You know, when you have that emotional reaction to something, you attach as much when you're scared as when you're laughing and mm-hmm. horror is fun. You know, you're exploring a lot of creepy shit and dealing with some demons and still, you're still in a the theater. It's probably not going to happen to you. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just nice to see action. I'd like to, I'd love to see a proper um, like promotion with a brand. I can't think of an example. Mm. I'm sure there's one and I'm sorry that I'm not thinking of that off the top of my head, but I'm all in. Just keep the horror coming because every Friday, well, Dan and I would have our routine. You know, we'd go see whatever horror movie was out, get our popcorn. And it was, you know, it was fun. It was our ritual. It was, we'd laugh and I miss it. Like, I can't wait for theaters to open back up and I want to see more horror. And I think, is there anything more scary than what's in the White House and what's going on in the world right now? But this is the same thing that, you know, when we talked about, you know, the thirties, you know, through history, there were pandemics, there were depressions, there were wars and just going back to theaters and, you know, kind of just escaping your real life bullshit through these films is something we're desperately going to need. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not looking at, remember when contagion was scary, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, you know, like a invisible virus. I'm curious in what way the pandemic's going to 
weave its way into entertainment. Um, I want to see I want to see a horror movie based off of just just a very uh, total realistic uh, uh, interpretation of people just being stupid. Like just like, why are you guys going out? Why are you guys protesting? You're spreading it. And just that just psychological fear of having to deal with how stupid people really all are. In there's a great Twilight Twilight Zone episode that sort of deals with that. It's uh, how people respond to the psychological effects of uh, the possibility of war or happening, and and it just follows these people on this one street in a suburban neighborhood. It's uh, yeah, it's really good. Can't remember the name of it, but, <laughs> but what I think it'll be interesting is um, it'll be that family drama set against the pandemic, uh, the coming of age story set against the pandemic. Oh, you know what? One of Craig's favorite movies is Five Feet Apart. And I think that, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to look quitting. up. I'm quitting this podcast right now. Yeah, I'm not making eye contact because I could feel the shade coming my way, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how, you know, the safer at home restrictions play into romance or, you know, you know, the creepy guy comes to my house. So I care that he has a knife or do I care he's not wearing a mask, but I don't know. Both suck, you know? So, <laughs> and one note I made about things coming full circle, I found an article about how brands can steal horror movie marketing tactics for their, for their marketing. And I thought that was really interesting. Like here's brands. Come on. There's a lot to learn from horror. There's a lot to do with horror. And hey, Craig, can you run down the list of the different subgenres of horror? And this isn't all of them. This is just to kind of say when someone says, I don't like horror, I want to say, uh, what kind? Yeah. I, le- I left the podcast already. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I miss you. Come back. I need you. Craig, hey. I also miss you and need you. 100 miles apart. <laughs> subgenres. Uh, yeah, the subgenres I found, again, this doesn't necessarily cover them all, but uh, in the horror main genre would be like low budget action horror comedy horror body horror disaster horror found body footage with holiday horror horror drama psychological horror science fiction horror slasher supernatural horror gothic horror natural horror zombie horror teen horror and teens are the idols teens are scary I, I don't know if you ever walk down the street and you see some youths but um, yep two of them uh, Um, I like to point out Fear the Walking Dead the first couple episodes those kids I would have used as human shields I would have used teens and literally threw them out a window they were they wouldn't listen but I'd like to say it shows the beginning of a zombie apocalypse when you your neighbor's acting weird and you don't know why so you get too close Mm -hmm. the kids are being assholes because they don't quite understand why do I need to stay at home? Like, there's not that. So I think actually revisiting Fear of the Walking Dead would be really timely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and since we, we talk about all things entertainment and brands, it, why should brands get involved in horror films? Why, what do you think is the, the key things that brands should remember, given the history of the horror film genre, the fact it's been around for over 100 years, and the fact it continues to be popular? What have brands been missing? I think you have the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely are going to have the eyeballs and you're going to have a very entertained audience. Um, they're not going to be sleeping. They're probably They'll engaged. Be- yeah. Engaged. Right. And, and I also, and I also think that the, um, the um, age group of, of the horror audience is, is 
you know, 18 to 80. I mean, I think like there's no one targeted audience with horror. I think every, there, there are fans in every generation for it. Many quadrants, mm-hmm. as they say, it's true. It's like horror, I think is for mass market. Now, if you look at something like happy death day or some of these, you might be able to argue it skews slightly younger, sure. but I think it has mass appeal. You have an engaged audience and the storytelling's there. I think mm-hmm. there's just that, still that misconception that, Ooh, let's just slash somebody up and whatnot. But you look at Knives Out, and then um, what's the movie? I am completely drawn to blank that came out last year, um, where it's her wedding and she has to play a game. Oh, Ready or Not. Oh, so yeah. good. That was really good. Yeah. Um, you know, I- you just look at these are buzzworthy. People talk about them. People remember mm-hmm. them. And these movies live forever. It's you know, these movies come out and then they keep finding a new audience. So if you do an integration and you're there in a good way, it's going to be there forever. And I can't remember when I was doing my notes, you know, going back to Volvo, like they appeared. Oh my God. I think my nose like starting in the nineties. Like, but the fact that they've kind of carved out that niche, I think that's, I think that should be the takeaway. Like, what do you think? I also think uh, along with your point, the content is largely original when it comes to horror. Sure. You have your remakes, but that's just how it's gone since horror films have come around. You're, you're re adapting literature or you're remaking earlier films, trying to improve on them or with the uh, advances in special effects. But creatively you're, if you're a brand and you want to do something that's new and fresh and has an original voice, it seems to, seems to be in horror. I think as a whole, uh, rather than other genres. Um, other, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, no, I was gonna say, the other the other point I would say is that typically horror films don't cost nearly as much to make as other genres. They can be shot for very little money, which means the barrier of entry to get into those projects from the brand side, if you want to do a promotion or you want to do a hero placement, are much lower than would be for a traditional tentpole uh, film. I don't think that's entirely true because – you know, there's some franchises, they're gold and filmmakers know that. Well, I, yeah. But if you're talking about original though, original I, content. I'd like to point out, um, and again, maybe it's just kind of the company we've been associated with like resident evil. One of the more recent ones, you know, like BMW moto Rolls Royce, like these brands went in and they talked about it. So that's really a quantum leap forward. I would love to see a brand provide, I don't know, maybe like that E.T. Reese's Pieces type integration yeah. Yeah. All yeah. In on a theatrical promotion, like the way they'd spend on, say, um, maybe a Marvel film. Just go all, all in on driving your car to escape whatever in a horror film. Like, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, we came kind of close with, um, I think, in terms of uh, what do you want to say? Partner friendly mass market. uh kind of horror uh, when Universal went into the dark universe. Because mm-hmm. you think you put someone like Tom Cruise, I mean, of course brands are going to want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then I love the idea of bringing back those original monsters and Universal's roots. Yeah, that would be... Uh, I mean, let's hope they do it. I know they've hit a couple stumbles here. As we know, that- it, reboot, 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 give mm-hmm. it a pause. 
try it again. I think I think I think what the problem with the dark universe and the same problem with the DC universe and this is why they don't work. But Marvel Universe did is they're not having fun with it. Like the dark universe, you're making a universe of horror of, of horror creatures like have fun with it. It can't just be I know it's called the dark universe, but it can't just be dark. Like why? give it some fun. I think, you know, you go one of two ways. Um, I thought the mummy with Brendan Fraser was very good. Yeah, it was very funny too. Swashbuckling. It felt like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. It was like a family friendly adventure. So you either kind of go that route or you go all in like Bloom. Oh my God. How have we not mentioned Bloom House in this entire conversation? You go all in, make this shit fucked up. You go scary Dracula, scary, scary, scary. Um, don't go half in because I, I felt like with the mummy, it felt a lot like, is this a zombie movie? I don't understand what's going on here. I really yeah. did. I was confused, but we all know I love Tom Cruise and I don't really give a shit what he does. I'm in. Um, but that's true. Like maybe make it fun. I don't know. I don't know. I love it. Reboot it. We'll go see it. <laughs> I mean, that's what we've seen. Like the, I think it's very, this genre is very forgiving. You misfire. Well, shit. All right, fuck it. Let's try it again. Let's put a new director in. And we love it. We love even Rob Zombie's Halloween. All the crazy shit in between. Let's do it. We love it. You know, going back to Alien, Alien versus Predator. We Our tolerance for ridiculous is very high. Um, and we do laugh at it. Sometimes it's really stupid. But sometimes you know, those movies do the best. Yeah. You got mm-hmm. a good character. Yeah. Reboot. Mm-hmm. And we expect it to some degree. So, you know what? Let's see. Universal, bring it. It's going to be awesome. You know, try again. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I want to I want to see it. Yep, I'm in. Yeah, I'll see it too. Craig, what else do we got to talk about with horror? Anything else? Mm, Matt Damon? Oh, you funny. <laughs> no, I think I'm good. I think, um, we covered, I think we covered the history and broad strokes pretty well. But we're the, about two hours and, in, yeah. Yeah, and by the way... We are not going to have this conversation about any of this without mentioning the best TV show in the world, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, because that's, you know, it's well, gory, there's horror, but oh, damn, is that shit funny. Well, based on the best independent film, What We Do in the yeah. Shadows. Yeah. So, yeah, again, comedy horror. I mean, it works. It works when it's done right. Mm-hmm. And that definitely yeah. works. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you look at the genre and it's like, how are people still not doing this? But if you're, you know, some fancy jewelry brand, maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense because, you know, there's not really a lot of opportunities for you. Hmm. But if there's a brand out there who has questions, boy, I know a couple of people you could talk to who could help you. (laughs) (laughs) See previous episode. (laughs) All right. Well, fuck you. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anything else to add? Uh, I'm, I'm drained. I think, <laughs> Eric, I think Eric needs to watch Jaws two, three, and four now. That I realize. got to know, yeah. Um, now that I know they exist. Yeah, yeah, you know that podcast. How did this get made? Uh, with it, um, yeah, yeah, I love that guy. Um, <laughs> Jaws three. <laughs> By the way, love it. Watch it every time it's on. It's a little weird because it's 3D. All right, Craig. Did you like to say bye? Bye-bye? 
Bye. Uh, Thank you for listening to Entertainment Marketing Confidential. If you need to send us some hate mail or you're mad at our deep dive or shallow dive in tour, info at entertainmentmarketingconfidential.com. Follow us on Instagram. Please like us and rate us. I mean, if you like it, if you don't like it, you don't have to. I wouldn't like that. You don't have to like us. He's Craig. I'm Daphne. And this is Entertainment Marketing Confidential. 